Now, before I step out on blind faith, scared to death, what would you say? He said, any ministry that does not lead back to the cross in Christ and his resurrection is not a ministry, it is a charity. Period. You can sit there and give food to the homeless all day long, but if you're not giving them a Bible and saying, let me tell you some good news. Let me tell you something that can set you free. Let me tell you somebody came, died for you, and came to give you a more abundant life. By the way, everything I just said is not even my opinion. It's scripture. And see, here's the thing. We have churches who are so worried about stepping on people's toes and that their coffers might run low because the people have become Jehovah Jireh to these leaders. Jehovah Jireh, in case you don't know, is what Abraham called the Lord when he spared Isaac when he was testing him and he looked in the bush and there was a ram because God still required a sacrifice at the altar. Right. Jehovah Jireh doesn't mean my Lord God, my provider. It actually translates to the Lord will bring a sacrifice. He will bring what's needed. That ram was stuck before Isaac and Abraham got to the top of that mountain. It was already stuck. God knew already. So he already had provided what he needed. So if you're not preaching the word and you're wondering why your coffers are either really full or really empty, you need to ask God. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. As Paul said, I do not even judge my own heart. I can't. Except for the one that judges my heart, the one who reveals my heart is the one who does what? Searches the heart of man and God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You can't judge yourself. You can't call yourself righteous and holy if your life doesn't line up with this. Like I said last time I preached, it's coming back up. This man right here one time during the conversation said that if you, you cannot read this without having to look at yourself. I said, no, you're right. You can't read this correctly. When you're reading this for yourself, it's between you and God. It's to get closer to him. It's to understand his heart. He'll talk to you personally outside of the word, but he wants to talk to you here first. There's so many people looking for a prophetic word and God loves to give them. But he's a jealous God. If you don't touch this and you're out searching for prophetic words, he's not going to give you any. As a matter of fact, let me, let me correct myself. He might. He's going to say, get in your word. Spend some time with me in the closet. Get into your secret place. Let me talk to you. Let me teach you. And that brings it to here. What the Lord told me we're going to teach on today is Hebrews 12. And the subject is correction in and of the church. The number one problem we see in why woke mob mentality is allowed, why the toleration of sin is allowed, why all of this stuff is allowed, the godlessness in God's house is allowed that made Jesus so mad, he got and fashioned a bullwhip, flipped tables, and beat people out of it. He said, if you turn this into a den of thieves, that's what we're seeing. And we're wondering why godlessness is here. We're wondering why politics are taking such a far term from actual politics that it's mind-boggling but what does it all cater to sin antichrist anti-religion anti-anything that involves jesus anything that involves this word the equality act saying so oh yeah let's attack the identity of the children at three years old they can choose by their own will with no parents consent to get on hormone blockers and genital mutilation, that is a law now, guys. That's a real law. Look it up. What does that have to do with politics? Last time I checked, it's a parent's job to raise a child. You can't smoke, drink and you, until you're 21. You can't vote till you're 18. You can't even join the military until you're 18. But at three, you can choose a life-changing, altering decision. When a three-year-old doesn't... You have to teach a three-year-old that they're even 
that there's even a difference really. Yeah. Even even naturally, my son is drawn to boy toys. My daughter, she's drawn to girl toys. I didn't have to teach him that. That's how God made us. That's his perfect will for his creation created in whose image? His. You see the attack now. It's not about what you think. It's not about making people feel included. It's actually just that whole act is not anything about equality. It's about the attack of the identity on people. See, everybody wants to get mad at politicians. I do. I'm flesh. I do want to get mad at politicians. Then I have to realize this word says that we do not fight against flesh and blood. I'm sorry, whether you like him or not, Joe Biden is flesh and blood. Trump is flesh and blood. Kamala Harris is flesh and blood. Mike Pence, flesh and blood. Stop getting mad at these people and being distracted because it keeps you out of this. It keeps you focused on Facebook, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and the last thing you're doing is in your closet praying for the nation. You're not repenting for your sins when he says, if my people would humble themselves before me, repent. My people. He didn't say, I want the godless to repent. He said, my people. The church, this is who this message is to. The people who are having service today, and they will tonight, who say all are welcome. They should be. All should be welcome. Those spirits should not be. Because when somebody is welcome to a place that the Holy Spirit is in command of, and Jesus Christ is Lord of that church, and they walk in the presence of God, those demons aren't comfortable. And they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to tell that person to get out, and they will, or they're going to tell that person to get out, and they're going to run to the altar and get freedom right then and there. I've seen it. I've been on that end. I've had a demon cast out of me. And it's, it's crazy. You know it's not you. But the thing is, you've got to make that decision. You have to let people know that that hope even exists. But you're not going to do that when you're afraid to correct. There is no correction in most of the U.S. church today. And I will be bold enough to say that, even in Cleveland, Tennessee. Everybody wants to make people feel powerful in the Lord. Everybody wants to make everybody feel tolerated. Everybody wants to feel accepted. God loves us. We all know John 3:16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That who should ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved the world so much. What did he do? He sent his son to change us from the world to his children. And what we're doing is saying, oh, you're acting like the world. And he said, be not of this world but apart. And we're saying, you're of the world. That's okay. Come sit in my pew. Make sure you pay tithes. I got this beautiful knife. I got three cars at home beautiful huge almost three-story home it feels good everybody's so happy here and then you get on Facebook and the people who are in leadership over churches right now are some of the most racist bigoted hateful human beings I've ever seen allowed to speak and you know what the people in charge of them they're spiritual authorities do not even correct and I'll tell you why Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to go to chapter 13, verse 13 in Hebrews. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do what is good and to share for God, uh, share for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey 
your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not grief for that would be unprofitable for you. He just described what a leader should be doing. Leaders are praying for your souls. They're reaching out to you and say, hey man, I'm going to take you in private. I've noticed you've been acting like this. You've been saying some pretty hateful stuff. That's ungodly. You're supposed to be not, yeah, you're supposed to disagree with the devil and everything he's doing, but you're supposed to lead that soul to Jesus. Hate the devil, love the soul. Never tolerate the sin, ever. First Corinthians chapter five, there was, there was a church in the church of Corinth. The leaders were tolerating a man's sin. Why? It's worse because they knew his sin. He was sleeping with his mother. A lot of people want to say his stepmother. If it was his stepmother, this Bible would say so. Not any version of this Bible in any language says stepmother, says his mother, his father's, his father's wife. That's his mom. But Paul made a distinction there because it was such a messed up relationship. He didn't say his mother. He said his father's wife. Because their, identi their identities towards each other were so messed up. And the church leaders knew this. But he was a prominent member who had money. So Paul didn't just say, oh, y'all pray with him and all this. No, he rebuked them and said, cast this man out because he knows better for one. Two, you've allowed it for too long. It's too, it's too, it's gone too far. Matthew even talks about there is a process you should do when somebody's in sin within the church. You bring them somewhere privately and correct them. If they don't receive it, you bring back two or three witnesses. If they don't receive it, you bring it before the council of the church. You don't bring the person before your whole congregation. It's not going to work. You don't shame people to heaven. You don't shame people to repentance. Actually, in uh, Romans, it says that God's goodness and mercy leads man to repentance. But you got to tell them the truth. Why would people need to repent if they don't need to be corrected? Do you think you're going to heaven and you can't be corrected or teachable? Are you teachable? Are you correctable by anybody of God? And that you know by discernment and by their fruit are full of the Holy Spirit and seek God. Does it matter your age? Does it matter what you look like? Does it matter where you're from? Does it matter your culture? Does it matter what language you speak? Can you be correctable? Can you even be correctable while you read the word in private? Can you read something that, man, I sound like the bad side of this. It's like in Proverbs. You can read Proverbs. You see the good, wise people. You see the unwise, wicked people. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's been a lot of times where I'm reading Proverbs. I'm like, I sound like the bad guy here. So either this Bible's wrong or I am. So either I need to repent or I'm going to let my pride swell up and say, eh, nah, that's just the devil trying to beat me up. No, you're lying to yourself because you don't want to be wrong. Because what happens is when you're wrong, you have to face this crazy, crazy thing nobody wants to talk about in the church today. Insecurity. Insecurity. You want to know why so many people in the church cling to a cultural group instead of the kingdom and their cult in their the kingdom cultural brothers and sisters while they cling to something of the world that the world has made well they they cannot falsely identify with some kind of group somewhere that's made up it's all over the news but they don't run to their church leaders because their church leaders aren't there as a spiritual father the pastors aren't pastoring they're not taking care of them as we just read they're not even praying for these people they just go up there Give a good word that makes everybody feel good, but there's no correction. There's no conviction. And when you don't see correction in the church, what do you see? Lawlessness. More and more sin. What would happen? Say, I have a two-year-old and I got a one-year-old. She's got three kids. You had three kids. I'm one of them. What would happen to any of your children if you don't correct them 
from a very young age. That doesn't mean beat him to death. It means explain, talk to him. I have to spank my son. But then I go and explain to him why. What happens to a child that isn't spanked or corrected? They turn out to be one of the worst human beings known to me. Nobody wants to deal with them. They're horrible. They can't keep a job. They're disrespectful to everybody to me. They think everything they have to say is right. And when they don't get what they want, they pitch a fit. And eventually they get old enough to say, I want this, but I can't afford it. So I'm going to rob something. I'm going to take from somebody. I'm going to embellish. I'm going to go over to my, my grandma's house. I'm going to be, oh, a couple gold stuff and go pond that. Because you feel like you can do what you want. Here's the thing, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people don't understand that church is not teaching anymore. You are not your own. You do not get to live like you want to once you're saved. Because once you're saved, you're saying that I am full of sin. I'm on my way to hell. I have to be born again in Christ. And when you're born again, you're a new creation. And the word says that the old has passed away. That's a sweet way of saying it is dead and rotting in the ground. What do we say in a respectful way when someone we love dies? We say they've passed away, right? Because it's a respectful way to say it. The Bible's just trying to, to be too harsh right then and there. But your old man is dead. Gone. Sometimes we see the enemy try to lie to us. And sometimes we try to really distract ourselves and say, oh, well, maybe there's still something clinging. You're either free or you're not. Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what the Word says. But what we're seeing now is this woke church mentality where nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to feel like they're getting corrected. But because there's no correction, when a little bit of conviction comes in from the Holy Spirit, because they're not living a lifestyle of being a disciple of Christ, which is where you look at the disciples who we redeem as amazing men of God, right? They were constantly corrected by Jesus. How many times did Jesus have to say, oh, you of little faith? Every time they questioned something, Jesus said or did. When he was asleep during the storm. And they're like, oh, we're going to die. He's like, oh, you have little faith. And he's like, peace be still. And they're like, oh, who is this man that the winds and seas obey him? I'm like, y'all been following him already. What are you talking about? Why is this amazing? I mean, it is amazing that that's the authority Jesus carries. We know that. I'm not taking away from that. But what I'm saying is, why is it so surprising that we have to be corrected? The Lord says that he, Chases chapter 12. Loves. Exactly. Chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That is what this word of God that is uncompromising, you cannot change the meaning of it because you don't like it, says. If you are not teachable, if you are not correctable, if you can't look in the mirror and say, you know what, I have believed this for this long, I've been a victim of my own circumstances for this long, and the media told me I was a, I was a victim. I'm allowed to feel like this. I'm allowed to be offended. Offense comes when you ignore conviction. Holy Spirit says, hey, you're doing this wrong. Let's get it right. Let's go to prayer. And you're like, oh, I'm ignoring that. And all of a sudden you're offended because this Bible verse hurt my feelings. If you're offended by any scripture in this Bible, you are not of God. Does that sound bold? 
I'll just read it to you again from the Bible. But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If you are not a son of God, you have not received the inheritance of the kingdom, which Jesus promised when you accept and receive Jesus as your savior. So once you do, you are not your own anymore. You are a son or daughter of God. And once you're a son and daughter of God and you call him Abba Father, you better be ready to be corrected and grown by him. When I correct my children, it's not because I'm angry, it's because it's going to grow and mature them. Where it says, raise up your children in this way and they shall not depart from it. Now our father, he shows us how he feels when he lets us have children. You think you've cried and wept over your kids? He's cried more. He's tried more. Could you imagine loving your children as much as you can? You only have one son. And for the godless world that hates you, you send the only son you got to die, blameless and perfect, to become all sin, all curses, everything on a cross, all shame, all guilt gone could you give your kid up for that could you be that selfless because that's what he did for us but that is why we can call ourselves sons and daughters so the problem is here it says if you do not receive discipline if you are without correction if you are beyond being able to be corrected by anybody of God and especially by God his word more than anything you are illegitimate says this word you are not a son of God and it can sound offensive. It can make you mad. I don't care. I have had to, to literally get where I'm at today to be free, to be saved. I personally had to get the actual living hell beat out of me. Literally. Not cursing. Literally, there was hell within me. Paul said, he said, he said I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. He said, because sin has been allowed to stay in my heart. So the actual sin, the actual hell had to be beat out of him by the Holy Spirit. But what does it do to us? It saves us. I'm not being a hypocrite here. I've had to do this. I had to be even able, allowed to preach without being a hypocrite. I, above anybody, whether it's to one person or to 10,000 have to be more correctable almost than anyone else there. Because if I can't be correctable, how can I preach it? If I can't be correctable, how can I say that? Because here's the thing. I will have people message me today and say, you need to preach more with love. First Corinthians chapter 13. If I say this, if I preach in the language of angels and I speak in this, but I have not love, I'm a crashing symbol. This is love. It says, for the Lord corrects those he loves. This is correction. I am telling you, you have to be correctable. You have to be teachable by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord, or you're not going to heaven. I don't care what any preacher tells you. He will have to blot this out of his own Bible to even start to believe it. I don't care how much money you give. That's probably why you're not correctable. You don't want to be offended. Guess what? You, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. The first person to correct you, Holy Spirit. It's called conviction. So just go down right where we were. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? For they disciplined, they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. Talking about earthly fathers. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. Woo. 
I'm going to move down to chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 16. I think, I think that's it. Be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. There's a lot of people calling holiness and righteousness, which the Lord, he expects of us in our walk with Christ, and they call it spirit of religion. No, spirit of religion is saying, oh, uh, well, you're dressed a certain way. See, here, there's a religious people who said, I'm not allowed to preach because I'm not wearing a three-piece suit. I'm wearing a sweater and jeans. That's called the spirit of religion because it's a waste of time. The Bible says to dress modestly, and it actually says to watch out for those who preach on the cornerstone wearing massive flowing gowns and jewelry. It says to watch out for them. But one of the biggest issues we're seeing and the biggest frustrations we're seeing is that people don't want to read stuff like this to their church. They don't want to read anything like this because they don't want to be correctable. There are people who believe this word and don't like what I just read. There are people who are not part of this crazy left-sided woke mob. There, there are people, there there's not all of them are like that. There are people who love the Lord, but they've been doing the same thing for 30 years. Like I said at the beginning, they haven't preached to anybody. They haven't sought anybody. They, ha they haven't tried to get Jesus to anybody. And I think the saddest part about it is the fact that we have not preached what it means to be a Christian. And when we preach what it means to be a Christian, that means we are to be as Christ. Does it not? It's the term Christian of Christ. To be like him. We can't be Jesus. Do not compare yourself to Jesus. But we got to try our hardest to get as close as we can before we die. That's what Paul was saying about running the race. He said, we cannot be made full in glory until we're face to face with him. What he's saying is we cannot be perfect like Christ. But we can get as close as we can before we get there. We can. But what a lot of people say is they read something. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this in his book of prayer. He said, if you want to see an effective prayer life, you have to be like Jesus in these ways. When I first read it, I was like, man, that seems impossible. And right after that, he said, and if you think this is impossible, you are ignoring what Christ did on the cross. He didn't just die for your sins. He said it, he, it said he came to defeat the works of the devil. He said he came to make you free, free from all things, all sin, all strongholds. So either Jesus did, and we can live above road rage. I'm preaching myself right now. We can live above stubbing my toe and saying, oh, well, every now and then the S word flies out. The Bible says, "Say no, let no corrupt or vile thing come from your mouth. The Bible also says it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out. The Bible also says there's life and death in the tongue. Power of life and death in the tongue. So should, if the Bible's saying all this about even what we just say, should sanctification be an, a reachable goal for us? Yes, duh. This wasn't a problem 50 years ago. Actually, it was. Let's go back even further. When it was normal to be modest, when it was normal to watch your mouth, even men who shouldn't be cussed, especially if they call themselves Christian, but they wouldn't do it around women. You didn't see women going around in bikinis just to go to the mall like we do now. It's horrible. But nobody preaches that because you could just be, you should be able to do what you want with no judgment. Sorry, this Bible says that if you call yourself a Christian, you are to be held accountable by other Christians to this word, period. If you don't want to be judged as you say, that's fine. Don't call yourself a Christian, though. You're not. 
If you don't think this word applies to you, but you call yourself a Christian, you're only a Christian and you can only believe what Jesus did because you read it here or somebody preached it from here. Nobody I know a lot today has met Jesus in the flesh because he's alive in the flesh and in spirit, but he's on the right hand of the Father. He's not here right now. So anything you even believe about being a Christian, you don't get to make up your own religion. I like this part makes me feel good. I don't like this part. So uh, I think this is just a part of their culture at the time. I think that just that's just how they believed at the time. It's just different now. The word doesn't say that. It doesn't say, oh, this might be able to change with the coming times and cultures. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, oh, well, we got to walk on eggshells around people who are offended by everything instead of saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, why are you offended by everything you see? You're living in sin because you're so offended. Why are you offended? What's making you so angry? Why do you think you're a victim when the word says those in Christ are victors? That means a victory. You're walking in victory. You want to know why you're so miserable? Oh, it's the season of my breakthrough. And you go home and you're a victim for the next two months. You're not seeing any breakthrough. I'm sorry. Because you have not proclaimed this word over your life. You haven't spoken this word over your life. You've spoken what other people, the media, and Satan has told you about you. And you want to be a victim. That's fine. You can be a victim. But don't call yourself a Christian and a victim at the same time. You're a victim of nothing if you're a Christian. You're a victim of nothing. I've had people hurt me. I've had people do horrible things to me. I've done horrible things to people. But I can't be a victim of what's happened to me and call myself a victor in Christ. Either I've been set free and I've learned from that and the Lord has given me his wisdom according to this word on that subject or I'm still living in it. If people say all the time, oh, I need healing over this. You know what they do? They go get healing. Good, do it. Spiritual healing is important. But if you keep having to get spiritual healing over the same thing over and over and over and over, you're a victim and you have not gotten rid of that and you need to repent. You do not need to say, oh, I just need more healing. No, you're angry and bitter at somebody. Get rid of it. You want to know the number one thing that allows the enemy to torment you before anybody, anything else in this world? Unforgiveness. The word says, how can you be forgiven if you carry unforgiveness in you? You have to forgive to be forgiven. It's like the story of the debtor. This man owed a lot of money. Goes before the king and the king spares him. He said, you know what? Debt free. You're debt free. You know what he does? He's like, oh, I'm not going to debtor's prison. I'm not going to get hung. I'm not going to get killed or executed. This is amazing. I just got shown grace. Without I did, That's what grace is. We don't deserve it, right? What does he do? He goes to a man who owed him money. He says, cough it up. And when the man begged for forgiveness, he's like, I'm sorry. I just don't have it. He wanted the man thrown in jail. He wanted to punish him. So the king comes back and says, fine. Now your debt's doubled. Do you see the problem here? We have to understand that everything that has happened to us has had a purpose. It says, for all things work for the good of those that love the Lord, right? It also says, all things meant for evil will be turned around for good for those in the Lord. For those in the Lord. For those in the Lord. I'm going to say it over and over until somebody gets it. For those in the Lord, these things will be turned around for good because... If you're walking around saying, all oh, these bad things are happening to me. All oh, these curses are on my life. Oh, yes, they all oh, they are. But you're not quoting, all things will be turned around for my good. Something bad happens to you that you can't understand. Everybody look behind you. Y'all see that destroyed car? I got hit by a semi-truck. And it was such a freak accident, no one got a ticket. Nobody got a ticket from the cop who was there. There were five witnesses who explained the story to the cop after I told it to him. He didn't believe me. He just went, 
like that, shook his head and walked over and the witnesses told him the same thing. Then the truck driver who hit me said the exact same thing I said. So nobody got a ticket. And I said, Lord, what did I do? I'm really thinking to myself, I've done something. Something, you know, something horrible happened to me. My shoulder took two and a half months to heal. I couldn't even lift it above this. Threw my arm out of socket, like popped it back in place or something. But, I didn't, I start, but instead of feeling like a victim, instead of saying, God, why did you let this happen? I said, all things. All things meant for evil. All things will work for the good of those that love the Lord. And then I put my hand right here and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed by his stripes. We are healed. The next day I could do this with it. Still hurt though. And I kept doing that for a week straight to the point now, look, a week straight. This should, I probably should have went to the hospital, got x-ray before I said, no, trust me on this one. I'm not saying don't go to the hospital, guys. If you think you need to go to the hospital, go to the hospital. I'm not saying that. God gave us modern medicine. It's his wisdom. That's a good thing. I'm not against that. But we do have to walk in faith. But see, if I had been a victim, my shoulder would probably still be hurting. And I probably would not be allowed by God to be up here and preach this. Yeah, it sucks it happened. I love that car. I loved it. But I got a third kid on the way, and I can barely fit the two I have in it, let alone a third. I don't know what happened. God does. He tells me a lot of things. He didn't tell me that one. He just did. But I refuse to be a victim because I've been a victim before and about blew my brains out three times. And I was an alcoholic because of it. Really didn't help the situation. But I was a victim then because my ex had cheated on me, left me for another man. I'm not, I'm not worth it. Nobody wants me. The one person I found who wanted to marry me just wanted, really wanted to get out of the house. And then she left me for some guy 11 years older than me? An old man? You know, you start beating yourself up. I was a, I was a victim. Until the Lord got a hold of me. Then I wasn't a victim anymore. I was set free, whole, and saved. All of a sudden, my bit Hey, baby. All of a sudden, my bitterness... Hi, baby. All of a sudden, my bitterness had left me. I wasn't even bitter at my ex. And here, about what, a couple months ago, I let my whole team know. I said, hey, the Lord gave me three dreams in three months about my ex for some reason. The Lord said, call her. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, really. No one else said, what? I told her first. That's my wife. You don't keep stuff like that from your family. You just don't. That's a mess waiting to happen. Even if there's no bad intention. The Bible says to flee from the appearance of evil. Right. Just the appearance. It doesn't even have to be evil. If it looks like it, run. That's right. That's and so... I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm going to be obedient. I bring it to my team. The Bible says a wise man hath many counsel, and I trust all these people in the Lord. So I went to get counsel, especially for my parents. And so as I'm getting this counsel, I was like, I think God's trying to tell you something. And I was nervous. I sent a message to her. The first thing she did was be offended that I even messaged her. Well, why? You, what, what did God tell you? <laughs> and I'm like, he just gave me a dream, and I just felt like I'm supposed to talk to you. And eventually she did. So I called her and we started talking. It was very awkward at first, but the Lord had something to tell her. And so as I'm talking to her, it ended up, we needed the video chat. And as I did, Noelle knew I was talking to her. My wife knew I was talking to her, but she had left for a second and was coming back. And when she showed up, I was on video. And then she didn't know who I was talking to though. And so I said, hey, look, she got to meet my daughter, my son, and my wife. You know, my, you know my ex-wife, who I was a victim because of what she did to me, you know what she said to me? And she was 100% right because I felt the same thing. She said, this conversation has healed things I didn't know were there. She said, thank you so much for doing what the Lord told you and calling me. But see, somebody else who hurt me 
got healing and a little bit of freedom. I'm still praying for her because she even admitted she's gotten away from God, but she knows better. So I'm still praying for her. But there was something that could have been hindering her from getting back to the Lord. But because I wasn't a victim of what somebody did to me, she is most likely going to be saved. She is going to be set free. She got set free just from that conversation because I obeyed the Lord. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying I used to be a victim. That's shameful. But shame is of Satan. And when I realized I didn't have to live a victim, I became correctable. When I was correctable, I actually, see, it's just for our own good. Remember that? It says the Lord corrects us for our own good. I realized I don't have to live miserable. I am worth loving. Because even if no woman ever does, he does. And that's more important than anything. Then he gives me this woman. And she gives me three kids. Third one's on the way. And then all of a sudden, all things meant for evil. I was, Satan wanted me dead. That's the thing all you woke people need to understand who want to be ear tickled in church. Satan hates you. And any person who tells you your life of sin is okay, they hate you too. But the Lord loves you and wants to set you free. Yeah. Nowadays, churches say, it's okay to feel sad and depressed. And you know what? Sometimes we do get sad and that's okay. You don't believe me? Go read Psalms. Yeah. Poor David, he goes from up here to down here. In one verse, he'll go from praising the Lord, jumping and shouting, leading an entire nation to worship. To, oh, Lord, do not turn your head from me in anger. And we can laugh if we want to, but who has not prayed something like that to the Lord? Because I sure have. That's right. mm -hmm. Amen. You know what the Lord does? He smiles. He said, my son died for this. You're fine. For the righteous man falls seven times and gets up. It's not that you fall that makes you righteous. It's getting up. I call you righteous knowing you're going to fall, but I know you're going to get up in me. That's called correction. When I got corrected and I became teachable, I was taught I'm worth something. I was taught I'm not worth having my brain splattered on the side of a wall. I, I found out that I was so worth it that God himself sent himself as his son incarnate to die for me. If I was the only person that ever walked on this earth other than Jesus, God still would have sent his son to die for me. But see, when I, became, when I became correctable, I saw the truth for what it was. I didn't need to be made feel good in my sin because my sin was literally trying to kill me. Whether it be a bullet of suicide or the alcohol. But when I became teachable and correctable and I humbled myself on my face, the Lord said, get up, son. Let me show you who you actually are. You're no victim. I have set you free. You are mine and I love you. You will mess up, but the blood of Jesus still applies to you. Do not stay in your sin, as Jesus said to every person he met. He never turned anyone away. He healed them, told them the truth, encouraged them, corrected them, and said, go and sin no more. I think I preached on this last time, but just as an example, like the man who was lowered through the roof by his friends. By the way, if you don't have friends like that, get some. <laughs> lowered him through the roof to the floor. Jesus said, get up, take your mat, and go. He didn't even touch him. He just said, take your mat and go. His friend's faith healed him. We've seen that little post on Facebook and stuff, but it's so true. His friend's faith in Christ healed this man. And as he was leaving, praising the Lord, the man was leaving, praising God. He said, oh, yeah, by the way, everybody listening, if this man has sin, it's been forgiven, insinuating that sin can cause health problems. That don't mean everybody will have problems with sin. It doesn't mean that at all. Because Jesus said, if. He didn't tell us whether it was caused by sin or not for that very purpose. So we don't go around thinking, oh, that person's got health problems. They're probably living in sin. No, no, no. Sometimes a demon can cause it. 
Let's sit down to work. Sometimes putting up with family members that drive you crazy. Yep, <laughs> you're right. They can. Yep. Make you sit your stomach, stress go through the roof. Yep. Can't sleep. Yep. Going crazy. Can't work. Focus mind gone. Yep. Make you feel like you're going nuts. But see, you want to know what happens? This is what this is actually really great. You know what this woman and this woman have in common? They didn't give up on their kids. I'm here because that woman and that man didn't. That woman and that man right there are the ones who were holding my head as I was throwing up blood and casting a demon out of me. They did that. Allowed me in their home as a nasty sinner sneaking alcohol into their house because I had nothing left after the divorce. I had nothing. And this man and woman showed me the grace of God. Knowing I was sinning in their house, he could have legally, biblically kicked me out of his home to not allow evil in the home. But the grace of God and the love of the Father showed through them two more than the legalistic did that could have kicked me out. Instead, what they did was they showed me love knowing what I was doing. And then the Lord said this, you know what, Chase? I'm going to let that demon come out today because that woman right there is going to take care of it. And so is he. So I just come home and I'm already half lit. I'm not drunk, but I'm that much from it. And I walk in, I go up there, she just gives me this look, and I said, what? At her? I've caught my hand one too many times from talking to that woman in a disrespectful tone. And I've caught it from him, too, for talking to that woman in a disrespectful tone. It only took a few times as a kid. Teenagers suck. I remember being one. But that wasn't a teenager talking to her. That was a grown man. But it wasn't me. Because the second she gets up speaking in the spirit at me, I just felt this anger of my hand hit me hit the side of the stairs and it hurt but I'm like I didn't do that so my spirit took over and I just hit my knees and put my arms out like whatever this is Lord do it I didn't know what it was at the time but the Lord let that demon be shown for what it was so it can be taken care of there's so many people afraid of people who are writhing and foaming at the mouth Jesus saw it all the time Jesus told his disciples actually go preach the gospel a lot of people still do that we're, like we're talking about not enough he said, go heal the sick. We got a lot of faith people out there right now that are coming up out of nowhere healing the sick, and I love it. I love it. They're going everywhere. They can be from right here, and the entire next three months, they're in another city preaching the gospel, having laying hands on services, people coming to the altar, getting healed. I watch them. I watch the videos. Yeah, there's we see fake stuff every now. Most of it's not fake when you're looking for it. It's funny how we accidentally come across the fake ones, but the real ones we don't accidentally come across because they want to discourage the healing of Jesus. But on top of all that, the last thing Jesus sent his disciples to do was what? Cast out devils. You, know why, you want to know why people get so offended at conviction? You want to know why people get offended at this word? Because it is the living word come carnate, which is Jesus Christ, and they don't like it. And so when you start reading this to them, and they're like, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I believe abortion's okay. I believe that, oh, well, transgender people, we should just accept them and love them. No, we should love them. Yeah. But we need to show them who their identity is. Because Satan's told them something else. You've heard it a thousand times. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. But you want to see the sinner set free? Yes. You can love the sinner all you want, but what are you doing to set them free? What are you doing to, to disciple them? What are you doing to give them a hope? It says in the word, be always ready to explain and give the hope that you have. You can believe in Jesus all, for your, all you want, but Jesus was not given unto us to be kept to ourselves. When you get saved, this word says you are an ambassador to Christ. I've got it on here somewhere. I've got all the notes and I'm hitting them in different order. 
Sometimes I have to step away when the Lord says step away. Just speak as I tell you to speak. Read when I tell you to read. But I want to encourage you all today, even those who have been hard to be correctable, hard to be teachable. First thing we have to walk in, you want to be saved? You want to be used by God? You want to see the Lord manifest in your life in ways you never thought possible, but this word says you can? One, humble yourself. You do not know everything. Humble yourself. Two, you better be correctable or get out of church. Because if you're in church and you're not correctable, you're in the wrong one anyways. Find one that's going to make you a little uncomfortable. I'm not talking about those churches that spew hate on everybody and says everybody's going to hell. That's not the good news. The Bible says blessed are the feet, the messengers that carry the good news. The good news is the hope of Christ. You want to hear truth and love? The truth part is that, hey, if you're living this way, you're in trouble. The good news is all you got to do is repent. All you got to do is humble yourself. It can take you five minutes. Humble yourself. Get on your knees and say, Lord, I repent for not being teachable and correctable. Change my heart. Renew my mind. And you know what? He will. Go read James 1. He says, if, you, if any of you lack wisdom, ask the Lord for it. Hey, you're welcome if you want to come over here. You're more than welcome. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. For the Lord is openly, excitedly happy to give it to you. He said, but you better ask in faith, knowing you're going to receive it. He said, otherwise, you shouldn't pray for anything. The truth is the way people have been living, the way people think it's okay to live how you want to go around offended by everything, that's not freedom, that's not joy, and that's not happiness. If you can't get on Facebook without having to type a mean message to somebody, your life is probably a little miserable. Hey, you're more than welcome to sit down. we got open chairs. If you want to, you can stand up if you want to. It's up to you, brother. But here's the good news. It can all be changed in a second because our God is faithful. What Jesus did is forever. The Word says all things will pass away except what? The Word of God shall stand forever. Everything God says in His sovereignty shall stand forever. You know what prophetic words? This, that, is, that is a major, major gift of the contemporary church. It is found throughout almost all the New, script, oh, New Testament and the Old Testament. But God wants you in this Word first so that when you receive a prophetic Word, you know how to check it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is talking to prophets. He said, and when you get together, exchange your prophetic words to one another so you can keep them in check. What he's saying is we can be wrong. We're human. Sometimes we need a little what? Correction. There's a difference between getting spanked in correction or when I say, hey, buddy, to my son, you better stop it. And he does. And I say, let me tell you why. One of them is a lot less harsh. God doesn't want to have to be harsh with us. But all we got to do is just say yes. Jesus said, if you are not like these children, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. If you're a kid and you're listening right now and you don't think you can do anything for Jesus or that it's not important, Jesus said, otherwise, being a kid does not matter. God does not care. You don't have to be an adult to be loved as much as you can be loved by the Lord. It don't matter what you've done wrong. The blood of Jesus applies to children too. Not just adults. So much better a, a child to be saved and continue to serve God and not ever know the sin. Amen. See, I've had people, I've literally, I'm not even going to say who this person is because we're recording this. I had somebody tell me, 
I hear your testimony, Chase, and it makes me sad because I don't feel like I have one. I said, praise God. You didn't have to go through what I went through. He kept you safe. Thank God you didn't sleep around with people. Thank God you didn't marry somebody you shouldn't have been married to. Thank God you weren't a drug addict. Thank God you weren't addicted to anything. Thank God you weren't in a drug house. Thank God you didn't try to blow your brains out. Praise God Almighty somebody was praying for you. So next time, whoever this person is, you want to feel bad about not having a testimony. Thank God you're a living testimony to God's goodness. Amen. And here's what's crazy. I should be dead, but my good faithful parents in the Lord were praying for my butt the whole time. God showed me after I was got saved. He said, it was my good will and pleasure to set you free, Chase. It was my good will and pleasure to keep my hand on you when you had that loaded gun up against your head or every time you popped a bottle. He said, but it was because of my faithful servants praying for you. I heard their cry and I ran. So many people look at God like he's this angry father stomping around ready to throw somebody in hell. He wouldn't have sent Jesus if that was his heart. God is a God of wrath, but not towards his children. But God is a God of wrath and judgment. You can say, well, only God can judge me. You had better me judge you or a court judge you than him. Because if you're there, you're in a worse spot than you will ever be. Any news media can tell you. Any Facebook post can tell you. Any president can make you feel. You are not going to find your salvation in man. You can't. If you have been oppressed, because it happens, go read Luke 418. I'm actually going to pull it out. This is actually what the name of my, our ministry is named after. It's Luke 418. This is probably one of the most important things in the entire Bible to me. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Yes, it's okay. It's, it's going to happen. Some people are poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We can't shut down everybody that feels oppressed. Some people feel oppressed because they've been told they are, but they're not. Some people are oppressed. There's still slave trading going around this world. Did you know that? There is. All we hear about is this American slave that actually happens. Horrible. But it happened. That's all we hear about. We don't hear about the stuff moderately going on here. But what have we come to do? All these things we can't do without what? The hope that isn't Jesus Christ, what he did. Jesus Christ came for every single one of us, no matter what position we're in. It literally says right here, recovery or to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. What does that mean? It means what Jesus did when he spit on the dirt and rubbed the blind man's eyes who was born blind and now he could see. But it also means the people who have weighed over their eyes who've been in church for 45 years and have never lived a day in victory in the Lord who have been oppressed by Satan their whole lives and by their own belief system, by those who have not humbled themselves and said, Lord, search my heart. Show me what I need to repent more. Show me what is allowing me to be so miserable. If you wake up every day miserable, you're not living right. That doesn't mean you're living in sin. You're not living at this promise. So either this word says you can live a life like that, you can live a happy life, no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what kind of home you go to at the end of the day, and these people are, you can have a, a house of chaos. 
misery. A house where you don't feel safe in your own home. A hard time sleeping. Not really knowing what to do. And you might be the only person that seems like you got some sense in your whole family. But there's a reason for that. Jeremiah 1.5 For I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I set you apart, I sanctified you, and called you a prophet to the nations. He's saying before you were even an egg in a belly, growing into a fetus, into a child. He said, I knew your name, and I had a purpose for you, and I set you apart for that. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you feel like you've missed God on your life. If you are breathing, I don't care how young you are. If you are breathing right now, God has you here for a purpose. And all that, I'll end with this. Church, it's time to wake up, go back to the cross, preach Jesus, and correct. You leaders, correct your sheep. Pastors, correct your sheep. If you see your sheep going away, be the good pastor. Leave the 99 good ones and go get them like the word says to do. It's time, Christians who hear this, who've been offended a whole lot lately. I don't care what political side you're on. I don't care. I only care about this. I only care about that kingdom. That's all I care about. I do care about what's going on in our country. I'm not saying that Christians, you can't be political. I'm saying if you're constantly offended, maybe... Maybe it's time to be correctable and teachable. Do you believe this word that you feel like nobody else does and you're going crazy because the world's just falling apart? Ask the Lord to be teachable so he can prepare you and teach you how to successfully let the Holy Spirit preach through you so you're not doing it in yourself. Ask the Lord to humble yourself. Say, Lord, whatever's in the way, removing it. If there's not anything in the way, Lord, just show me what I need to do next. Give me one step and I'll go. And the Lord say, okay. Like I said in James, if you ask in faith and you believe you'll receive it, you'll receive it, period. Jesus said the same thing. Mark, he said, not only should you ask the Lord because he'll give you what your heart's desires are. He also says, and when you're done praying, praise the Father and thank him as if you've already received it. Jesus said to do that. So if you want to see a church woke up, if you're, sick, if you're sick of seeing the country and the world falling apart, get up and say something. They don't mean going around telling everybody to go into hell. They don't care. One, they either don't believe you. Two, they do. They already know. So you got to give them the only option there is. I can't sit there and tell people they're wrong. I am not the Holy Spirit. My job is to preach Jesus. My job is to preach the hope there is in him. I don't care what you've been doing. I don't care for how long you've been doing it. There's hope for you if you are breathing. And the hope is only in Christ. He's our only hope. He's our only Savior. But guys, it's time to wake up. We can't be quiet anymore. Doesn't mean go around picking, tell everybody they're going to hell. That's stupid. It's not my job. First Corinthians chapter 5, Paul corrects the leaders and says, kick this man out of your church who's sleeping with his mother. Do it. Kick him out. Get him gone for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul might be saved in the day of the Lord. He said, however, we do not judge the world. Because if we judge the world, we'd have to leave it. He said, God judges the world. We don't judge the sinners. That's where Christians are wrong. That you can't judge me, only God can. Wrong. This word says that Christians are supposed to judge Christians. According to this word, we actually don't judge the sinners. That's God's job. The word says that. 
It is my job if you call yourself a Christian and you're living in the opposite of this to call you out. I am to hold you accountable. Of the, of the ministry that the Lord has given me and my team, I, I, I'll run it. But I'm held accountable to every single one of them there. I have to be. Because what happens the second I'm not is I've stopped being teachable. I've stopped being, I have been corrected, taught, and encouraged by every single family member, every single team member in the ministry. Every one of them. And I praise God for it all the time. I would rather have to walk the rest of my life feeling like a kid that needs corrected all the time, but I'm in the will of God. And I'm preaching the happy, good news of Jesus no matter what it is. And if you have a family member today, folks, the Lord wants me to say this. If you have a family member, even yourself, that just needs a touch from the Lord right now, the Lord says, ask. The Lord says, you have not because you ask not. You want to see somebody set free? You want to be set free yourself? Ask the Lord. You want to see somebody set free from offense? Ask the Lord. You want to see yourself set free from offense? Repent. Get in here. Let this teach you. Let the Word teach you. The world, the media, Facebook, none of that can teach you anything. I can't even teach you anything in myself. I'm just a man. But I have also allowed myself to be God's vessel as we all are supposed to be. Not everybody's called to be apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. As it quotes in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about all those. All of us are called to speak and preach on Jesus. Go out unto every creature and preach the gospel. He said that to everybody. The Great Commission. So when's the last time, and I don't want anybody to answer out loud, I just want, the, I want you to think about this with the Lord right now. When is the last time you talked to anyone about Jesus. Whether that be a Christian who loves the Lord and wants to do right, but there's just something's wrong and then just something they don't know. Sometimes you see a Christian and they're like, ah, I've been struggling with this. I'm like, you're struggling because you're having conviction. Good. Righteous man falls seven times and gets up. There's the encouragement. But you know the sin's a sin. That's why you're struggling. That's good. Then you tell them the hope that is in Jesus. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You just got to believe it. Then you show them in Scripture and then you walk them through it. That's love. So many people want to be offended and carry offense. And what do they do? Oh, well, you're just not sympathetic towards me. You don't care. You're heartless. You don't care about where I come from and what I've experienced. Well, I've experienced my own stuff, but I don't want that getting in the way. Not everybody's got there yet. Some people have gone way past that. The good way. The right direction. But we have to be at a place where we're like a child. We're children, sorry. We have to walk, as Jesus said, if we're not like these children, which are what? Completely dependent on parents. We're completely dependent on the Father. I can't go around and say, I can do all this in myself. I can't preach anything outside of the Holy Spirit. I can't. I'm not supposed to. But if you're not correctable, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. You've grieved him. I promise you. When he's trying to convict you, you have told him to go away because I'm offended. I want to feel right. Your feelings are lying to you. I promise. Your feelings will never transcend the truth of this Bible. I don't care how offended you are. Your feelings do not mean anything outside of God. Did you know that? Your emotions mean nothing outside of God. David's emotions, when he was really feeling bad about what he's done and saying, God, don't turn your head in anger. What? But yeah, those were important. Why? Because we all have days like that. But it's also important because his feelings were towards God, for God. Not, oh, I'm just offended by something on the news. Turn it off. I don't care what you're for. I don't care if you're... What political side you like? I don't care. 
Turn the news off. But I will say this. This is your only truth as it stands right now. And if you believe anything, vote anything, or want to push anything, and you call yourself a Christian that goes against this, you're already wrong. And you will be held accountable. Period. Because this says so. We are all held accountable for everything we say, do, and think. But all that to say, I'm going to end with this. If there's anybody who wants prayer, needs prayer, we can have a time for prayer. You can even send me a message if you don't want to right now. You can come up to me privately and take me aside, whatever it is. We can all pray for you. We can all, Whatever you want to do, we can. But the biggest thing is today was we have to be teachable so that Christ can be made manifest through us. You want people to see, you want to see the world change and be godly? They got to meet Jesus. You are the first person they will meet Jesus through. He's got to be able to walk. He's got to be able to live through us. If we're not correctable, we can't become more like Jesus and people can't meet him. If you're not correctable, you're calling yourself not a son or daughter. This says that you are illegitimate and not sons. If you're not correctable, we have to be correctable. If you don't think you need to be corrected, you need to be corrected right now. You do. <laughs> Sorry. You're wrong. It's okay to be wrong. That's the number one thing you have to understand. It's okay to be wrong. Because if you're wrong and you get corrected, what does that make you? Correct. Makes you right. Then you can tell everybody else how to be correct. Then you can preach on Jesus and teach them how to be like him and how to follow him and how to accept him. But if anybody needs prayer or anything, once we end the streaming or, or recording, we can do that.